0: I was thinking about it. I think I would like the the conference tournament more if it like didn't have a trophy. Oh. And that's weird because I don't really give a shit about trophies. But I think like at a certain point, it's like the regular season ends, and then like the not like the narrative, but like the consensus that everybody like kind of switches to the tournament. Like, oh, they're the champions. Like you shouldn't be called the champion of anything. Like you're the tournament winner.
1: Well, don't you think that's also... Unless
0: it's all just for the tournament and then you should eliminate the regular season champion.
1: But that's why I think that it has that stigma is because when you win the conference tournament title, you get the automatic bid Mm -hmm. to the big dance. So I think if they flipped it, Then that would actually be the better way to do it Like I think the regular season champ But then what's the point of the tournament Historic Gill Coliseum It's the final game of the Pac-12 regular season And the conference championship on the line For the Oregon Ducks It's the most played
0: rivalry In In women's basketball this year Stanford won the Pac-12 regular season And then fucking Went scorched earth on the Pac-12 Decimated everybody in the tournament And beat everybody by like 30 points
1: Dude they beat them by 20 well, and that makes that game where Oregon stood toe to toe with them even that much more impressive. Mm-hmm.
0: But I think now they're really firing on all cylinders. I mean, Cameron Cameron Brink is that yep. her name? Yep. she's yep. only getting better. Oregon
1: grown.
0: Mm-hmm. Where's she from?
1: Portland. Where's she? There's from? our cold open. There's our cold open. Yeah, from Portland area. Yeah, and then I mean, she, but she's got it's ties.
2: It looks like a science experiment gone horribly wrong. Like someone put a beaver and a duck in a transmogrification chamber. In fact, the first time scientists saw a platypus specimen, they thought it was a crude joke being played on them by someone who had stitched bits and pieces of dead animals together. It's not hard to see why. Platypuses are completely weird.
0: welcome to the flock we are the flock you're listening to the flock triple flock
1: flock on a flock flocky flocky flock on a flock solid
0: high five <laughs>
1: Fucking Peyton Pritchard, but he's averaging 19 points a game. Re- yeah, exactly, 19 points a game. Doctor,
2: Every day that doctor,
1: uh, testing, testing, like testing. <laughs> Eugene Janelle's are semi-pro, but not like Jackie Moon. No. <laughs> <Ranger laughs> Is there a worst mascot in sports? Ooh. I mean, ooh. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, is there a worst? I really don't think there is. The yeah. Cardinal is the worst mascot in And sports. then their mascot is a tree, which I
0: don't know. But well, yeah, I
1: and- guess that's the thing. Is it mascot or is it name? It's like right. the worst team name. Yeah. What's a Cardinal? Human Torch was denied a bank loan. <laughs> I'm
0: in a glass case of emotion.
1: Love love. Love love. Love love. Well, Flag. hello, flockers, and welcome to the flock pod. Hashtag zero 69. It's a special episode, Shane. Oh, well. It's the race to 69 and we won. We won. Shane. We did it. We won the race we won the race. So welcome to our podcast today. We have wonderful wonderful duck tent for you in our beautiful condo. The avitarier producers are sleeping as of now, so hopefully not too much background noise. But once again, knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood. Lots of things to talk about men's basketball, taking home the Platypus Cup, getting the Pac-12 championship, regular season. The Pac-12 Championship. Regular season Pac-12 Championship. Lots of Pac-12 honors coming down from both the Pac-12 conference and the AP. Tanner Bailey, quarterback out of Alabama, commits to the University of Oregon. And of course, we'll have our Justin Reed's tweets to Shane. Along with our walk around the flock after the break. So make sure to stick around. We appreciate you. We are, of course, at the flock pod on all your major social media platforms and podcast streaming platforms. I myself am at Coach Justin D on those same platforms. Shane, tell them where you are.
0: I am at bartender Shane6 on the Twitter and at walka flocka Shane6 on the
1: Instagram. where You can see me running around. I miss the flockas. I miss the flockas. We need to bring that back for sure. Yeah, you're crushing it on the runs lately. You're making me feel really old and decrepit over here. It's becoming
0: like an addiction for me. It's so. that runner's high. That's mm-hmm. a legit thing for yeah. sure.
1: Once your body gets uh, hooked on those endorphins, it does not want to let go. And speaking of endorphins, Shane.
2: Galarte with the steal. Dish Victorino with the jam. Don't
1: drive angry. Don't drive angry. Williams puts it up over Alatiche. Put-back jam by Chris Arte. 356th all-time meeting between these two. No two teams in college basketball have met more often than Oregon and Oregon oh, State. dominant victory, 80-67. Mm-hmm. to 67. Well, What are your immediate thoughts when you think of this game, Shane? Because it's been a few days now. What are your immediate thoughts? What come to mind?
0: Uh, I've never been so happy to be wrong about my score prediction. Right? and Just game kind of prediction, what I thought was going to be going on in the game. Going back and re-watching that some of that today. I mean, it's, it's crazy to see that Will Richardson has completely landed now like that game was 100% you pointed it out early in the game that they were really drawing up stuff for him trying to get him involved offensively first play of the game mm-hmm. they run
1: floppy action for him yeah we watched those game highlights right beforehand which is a good practice we should do that from now on this is a nice refresh especially when the game's a day or two old five for five start from behind the arc Again, they run that floppy for him the very first play he finishes with 22 points by far his best game this season I'm not sure if it's his best game as a duck that's I don't up to interpretation, think so. but he also was doing it on the defensive side. Uh, those Oregon State guards are very quick, very talented, and he was doing a great job just containing a lot of times on that pressure throughout the three quarter press, but then picking up the ball in the half court also.
0: I'd say it probably is his best game as like a as a scorer, but I mean yes. I th- I think some of the what he did when he was paired with Peyton Pritchard last year was more. I mean, that's the stuff that I really love. Like, the stat line stuff doesn't even affect me as much as just the guys making the plays in order
1: to have the game go your way. Well, and being set up to make the plays. Mm -hmm. Like you said, I mean, Dana Altman drawing up that very first play for him. He obviously gave him the greenest of green lights to get this game going. It's that duck apple green, that really bright green. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Speaking of green those new shoes that they got for the, the tournament coming Those are here. those the are men gorgeous. and women's shoes are those both. Those are gorgeous. awesome.
1: I'm not even gonna talk about the, the thoughts I was having about some of those shoes. Which did you like more? The all whites or the green and I yellows? I like the green and yellows. I like the all whites more. See, I just white shoes are dangerous. Even though I like them wearing them outside. But the coach Okay anyway. <laughs> what I don't want what I don't want to have happen here is that get the fact that the Beavers played pretty well. I mean, I don't want that to get swept under the rug because they played well in this game. Duck defense definitely...
2: stop and get a chance to cut it to within 10. To you know, me, that's been, the Duck. I'm sorry that's been the story of the game defensively we talked about the Ducks you know
1: being so good from three they just haven't been able to get multiple yeah. stops and kills. The jam by they, just, they weren't shooting hot enough to keep up with Oregon scorching hot I mean Oregon was everybody on the floor was shooting well and that's mainly due to the ball movement and spacing that has improved so much now that Dana's really honed in this rotation.
0: Yeah, I think watching that, watching the shooting, a product of the passing game. Yep. I think in the games prior, we've seen guys just not hit guys in their right spot to get the shot up, where you got to move the ball over to set up. gives you guys that extra second to close out on you. And that's something that I've been very really critical about this Oregon team all year is when they get the ball, there's usually this hesitation or the quick pumps or something, and it's not just going with that initial shot, especially when you have these kind of shooters. And now that we have... Will Richardson making shots from outside kind of opens it up for Chris Duarte. When Chris Duarte's is hitting, it opens it up a little bit for Eugene Amaruri and so on and so forth with the trickle down. And then what that does is opens up and gives Chandler Lawson a little more room to stretch those wings on the inside.
1: Well, and you saw it. Tinkle was trying everything. They were playing a 1-3-1 one, one there at the end of the game, and then the Ducks were just abusing the corners. But you hit, you're hitting on a very important point that big men are happy in space. Mm-hmm. Big men like having some room to roam with, knowing that they're not going to have that weak side defender right there every single time. And the passer makes the shooter so often, especially at the college level, where when you're hitting that guy right in the shot pocket, where they're not making any other micro movements, it's catching, it's going straight up. We need some video for this. I keep doing like little hand movements and stuff like that. I want to coach Shane. I miss it. (laughs) I miss it so much. But I've been really impressed with the spacing improvement. And that comes from trust. That comes from guys knowing their roles. You know, LJ knows what his job is out there. Chandler knows what his role is. LJ she, was awesome in that game. They both are playing with so much more confidence in particular. And Eric Williams is that other guy that sometimes gets lost in the conversation it's just been very impressive to see what dana altman does mm-hmm. every year every, every year, year. It's
0: just around this time and like i thought in the past couple of weeks i thought this was going to be the year i was like all right which richardson like that surgery was going to be too big of an obstacle to get over and even when he does start getting the shots up how's that going to affect the rest of the team and I, again, so happy to be wrong in situations like this. Remember
1: in the preseason we were talking about how infali Dante's floor was going to impact the level of success for mm-hmm. this team? And that's what we really thought it was going to... And now he's not even on this roster. I mean, he's on the roster, but he's not playing at all. The guy that comes in to replace him, Frank the Tank, is mainly being the bench cheerleader... Right? Really getting everybody him
0: fired up. Much in the last two games. Haven't needed him. Maybe yeah. we
1: see him if Oregon runs into USC in the Pac-12 tournament, which we can get into a little bit more. Just to be a big body to beat on Evan Mobley out there. I just... I love that Dana's honed it down. He's given guys roles to really succeed and to be a star cuz you feel confident when you know more what your minutes are going to be. You're not, you know, getting yanked out cuz you make a bad play or something of that nature. Dana really looks like he trusts these guys because they've bought in on the defensive side of the ball, which is leading to a lot more open those secondary transition opportunities but then also just more confidence Mm -hmm. everybody's happy when they're playing defense everybody's happy when they're touching the basketball
0: yeah it looks like the the energy level as a whole has gone up a couple notches and I'm the biggest Frank the Tank fan probably that I know but him not playing in these games is a direct factor from Chandler Lawson getting back up to that level that he was at the end of the year around this time of the year last year And just having a big body, and like you said, playing with the confidence, knowing that he has the inside, knowing that if he misses a bunny, he's not coming out of the game, when earlier in the year, he was on a pretty tight leash. It was, every time he made a mistake, especially in defensive rotations here, comes Frank, and then Frank would get his four minutes of just absolute chaos just heavy metal inside the key and just knocking bodies around and i think that kind of did something for chandler lawson because he isn't that kind of guy he's so much more stealthy smooth with it where frank is it's like jazz compared to like heavy metal the way that those two play And now that I think Lawson was out there, and I mean, he made one shot that I mentioned to you when we were watching the game was he goes up for a layup and even finishes with the left and had his offhand up there, which is a post-coach's dream move because you're protecting yourself in so many ways. If anybody hits you, it's making that sound. So you're having all those things. And these were the kind of improvements that I thought we were going to see at the start of the season this year from Chandler Lawson. Better late than never.
1: Absolutely. I mean, this was a team that was giving lock-worm minutes early on. And because of COVID, that just that slowed things down that much more for this team. It's just it's been a really weird season, mm-hmm. you know. And we, we I don't want to call them the the COVID cups, but I've seen a couple of that thrown around on Twitter, which isn't terrible.
0: That's actually pretty accurate. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It's, and it's, I mean it's a, it's now. Just,
1: Whoa! Wow, twice that's there. The that first right? we've ever done that. I'm leaving that in. I'm uh, not editing that out. That was
0: funny. Uh, now Amari Hardy is actually kind of in a role. I'd still like to see Aaron Estrada. Like there. Oh yeah. Maybe I shouldn't go there. I maybe I shouldn't put this. Online.
1: Shane is saying something nice about Amari Hardy,
0: <laughs> but it's it's putting him in a role where I think he's actually more able to succeed in like a six-minute game, kind of in those short spurts. Limit. Mm-hmm. Rather than like, hey, go out there and be the point guard, which I think he was just uncomfortable with from the jump.
1: Well, and it's been—it's that's a difficult role to play in the Staino Altman system, and that's why I think you've seen Chris Duarte's numbers go down a little bit as Will Richardson's come back. But the, the skills that Duarte was practicing and the skills that were necessitated by him during that run, where he had to be the dominant playmaker, is the big reason why the AP just named him Pac-12 Player of the Year because of the way he improved so much on those little things. And now we can talk about how the Pac-12, the coaches, they actually gave the award to Evan Mobley, which, you know, we've, we've talked about. It. it was very, very close. And we're going to use the Pac-12's AP awards on the men's side here just because we like the way they did it a little bit more. It's weird the way the Pac-12 conference, it, it's legitimately an army. I mean, some of these responses to the, the just, tweet here, is just, a, they're fantastic. It, yeah. Well, but before we get to that, let me go over Duarte's numbers here real quick. 17.3 points per game, 4.8 rebounds, 2.2 assists, 1.9 steals, from behind the three-point arc and leading the Ducks to a 19-5 overall record with a 14-4 conference record and back-to-back Pac-12 champions in the regular season. Check it out. Oh,
2: down. down! Without Will Richardson,
1: without Infoli Dante, without all the, the guys that transferred earlier this season. Again, this is another one of those years where like, wait, are we going to have enough guys to play?
0: Right. <laughs> and then even like midway through the season, they're like, wait, your last name, like your middle name is what? Like you're from where? Like these guys, like how well do they even know each other between like being transfers, being from all over the country, St. John's, UNLV, Duquesne, like, and then it's like, all right, and here's the kicker. You guys actually can't hang out
1: either. Hey, there for a minute, I thought my man Eddie Unesco was gonna start getting some minutes.
0: <laughs> it was funny, uh, Tales from the Bar, somebody was Eddie. like somebody was like, Did you know Eddie uh Sabrina's brother is on the team? I'm like, yeah, Eddie Unesco It was like, Yeah, they're like twins. And they're like, I had no idea he was on the team. Like, Eddie For good reason. Yeah. With his one career assist. Well, and
1: he's been a great I mean, from everything I've heard from behind the scenes, he's been a great presence for this squad, you know, just a really good kid, quintessential Walk on, you know exactly what you would want from a walk
0: on. Yeah, Andy also got a Sabrina Ionescu. <laughs> so <laughs> take that. Looking at you, Amari Hardy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting. Okay, so
1: hit me with some of these tweets in response to the, the 15 player Pac 12 award.
0: At Havoc VCU said it would probably be easier just to name the guys who didn't make it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's see. Being Calling it the participation trophy of all conference teams <laughs> uh, from Zach Bart. Yeah, the the everybody is a champion. The everybody is a champion. Conference of Champions. Love it. Uh, Love yeah. It. So I mean, listing ten players is pretty crazy. Not that like those ten guys are undeserving of an award, but I mean, you got to kind of draw the line somewhere. Well, and
1: just make it. I mean, so the AP just does it a little bit more pure. So that's why we're going to it use right. Well, we're we we're, we're saying more pure. <laughs> well, I mean, the Pac-12 likes to experiment. We do things different here on the left coast, yeah, west coast, I guess baby. That's true. So Chris Duarte also a unanimous first team all. AP All Pac 12 nomination. Uh, Evan Mobley and McKinley Wright also unanimous. Remy Martin, Arsca da Silva. Oscar? Oscar? Oscar. Oscar. Oscar the Grouch. I mean, if,
0: if you were going to ask me who the five best players were in the Pac-12, I think that is who I'd land on.
1: Give me Timmy Allen over De Silva.
0: That was like the only thing. Oh, yeah. Both of them were pretty banged up this I year. Just,
1: I, you know how I stand for Timmy, though. I always will stand for Timmy Allen.
0: And I mean, Stanford is a 6 seed. Utah is a 7. So, I mean, I guess you give him a slight edge there. Well,
1: Utah was my sleeper team this year, and they did not perform up to what I was expecting. So, there's, I mean, to be noted, but De Silva, I think, missed more time. So, Timmy Allen was a little bit more reliable. But yeah, on the second team, you've got James Akinjo from Arizona, the 6-1 guard, then Timmy Allen from Utah, Ethan Thompson from Oregon State, Eugene from Eugene, Omarui from Oregon, from actual Rexdale, Ontario. Mm-hmm. So this is actually Eugene from Rexdale by <laughs> way of Nigeria. And then Isaac Bonton from Washington State, from Portland, Oregon. So shout out yeah. Bonton. Good to see him playing Should so have well. Been a duck. Um, gotta love the Cougars.
0: We gotta give mm-hmm. the Cougars a little gotta bit of love. The yeah, so we love Washington ha- State. Having a second team, uh, Pac-12 performer is probably their biggest accomplishment since Ryan Leaf, isn't it? <laughs> Something like that. I don't know <laughs> well, what hey, they've done. Ernie
1: did some big things while he was up there.
0: That's true. I that love Ernie.
1: I, I can't, I can't stand for any Ernie slander. I know there was issues with player development and wins and losses here at the end of that time, and he did get us Dana when he left, so... You know, everything happens, you know, all is low and everything happens for no reason at all. (laughs) You just (laughs) gotta believe. You just gotta believe, absolutely. So yeah, those are kind of the the men's pac twelve honors there. We have Andy Enfield winning AP coach of the year, so that's interesting, which I agree with though. I don't think I do. I
0: I think it's you think it should have been Dana? Wayne Tinkle.
2: Oh
0: Oregon State was projected to be last. In the Pac-12 preseason, and they finished fifth. I mean, they are—they're playing in technically. I mean, we'll get into this in a little bit, but they're technically in the second round of the Pac-12 tournament with their weird, like, first-round bye, kind of.
1: You know, I'll give that to you. I, I will. I think. I mean, how much do you want to give the award for getting Mobley on the campus? You know, getting right. a talented guy like that, recruiting a possible number one pick, and having him play for your for your program. But you're right, with the pieces they were given, Tinkle's definitely made the most beautiful puzzle. Mm-hmm. He's been able to find the right way to put them all together. And you know this,
0: but I've probably said it on the podcast before, but I don't think you should win Coach of the Year if you have an MVP or player of the year candidate on your team.
1: But can't so now this is a different argument, because then can't you say that the coach is putting that player in that position to succeed? I think there's a honestly, I would say we should go. I mean, it's tough. I would honestly give the award to Dana because of what he's done. Right. If I'm actually going to really, I mean, but again, I bet I'm looking through green and yellow glasses. They already think we're Yeah. And then Enfield, then Tinkle, and then, um, who's the other guy that I was going to say? Sean Miller. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're talking about bringing talent on the campus.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Bobby Hurley. No, I, yeah, now I can't remember. So, yeah, there's there's definitely an argument there to be made for... It's it's three different ways of doing it, right? hmm So, yeah, that's tough. I always look at, the, like, the coach of the year award as, like, the person who
0: did the most with the least. Yeah. And I think that was Wayne Tinkle. I mean, uh, Ethan Thompson was second team on that list as, I think wasn't it? yeah second team and he's been a four year starter a big time one of the biggest basketball recruits Oregon State had ever gotten didn't really develop into that ended one done yeah. player that they thought he was going to be but still ended up having a great four year career there i mean i think that oregon uh oregon state game he tied the record for most starts as a beaver
1: in the regular season or something like that so would you go tinkle enfield altman
0: probably
1: uh
0: yeah between altman and enfield that's tough I think it's kind of a coin toss. Yeah,
1: I, it just depends on your what flavor do you like. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of goes back and forth there. I just have a hard time saying good things about USC. Yeah,
0: and I think, I mean, Dana Altman, he does these masterful sorcery things with the press and knowing when to do it and player development within the season. And, I mean, does that stuff count towards coach of the year? Some say yes, some say no.
1: And that's where it's interest. Yeah, it, I mean, it's all X's and O's. It's just what, what do you want out of your coach is mm-hmm. kind of the question that you're asking there. So, again, we want to give um, all of these guys, you know, a big round of applause. Good stuff. Good good job, guys. Let's jump on over now to the women's side and discuss the Pac-12 honors. For this one, we actually are going to use the Pac-12 awards. So, these are the coaches awarding this. Um, Ari McDonald wins a player of the year and a co-defensive player of the year. Anna Wilson shares that defensive player of the year from Stanford with Ari McDonald uh charlice Liga walker is washington state's freshman of the year if pow pow stays healthy there maybe that's a little bit more of an argument but she also played her butt off up there
0: yeah but she also was able to have a little bit bigger chunk of the offense or, uh, like, revolved around her yeah 100%. so i mean with tina pow pow it's like i like it's the same argument that we had with about like mckinney wright and evan mobley it's like i think tina pow pow is better than her but she didn't have as good of a year so it's like I, I what, do get you it. Want? Yeah, what do you I want? Yeah, I get it. Yeah.
1: Tara Vandeveer brings home Coach of the Year honors from Stanford. Obviously put together an incredible year there. So for this one, all Pac-12 is 15 people, and then there's an honorable mention after that. So there's not really any teams. They don't go first team, second team, third team here. But what I can tell you is <laughs> Tahina Pau and Nayura Sabala were both given all Pac-12 honors, and then Aaron Boley was given honorable mention honors. So just a very strange way to do it for sure.
0: Because I mean, especially 15 people is more than you actually get on like it's an, very a- strange. an actual team. It's
1: very, very strange. I don't know why they would do it. I don't know why they would just do first team, second team, third team and then honorable mention, but that's neither here nor there. We're, just, guess, we're true, just the yeah. messengers, Shane. Yeah, <laughs> we're just the messengers. Manning. Yeah. No Ducks making the all-defensive squad. Tahina Pow Pow does make the all-freshman team along with Sasha Goffey forth from the Oregon State Beavers. Cameron Brink, also from Beaverton, Oregon, playing for Stanford, makes it also. I think Nia
0: Saboli got a little... Man, I feel like she was, must have been right on the cusp with the all-defensive team.
1: Oh, but Only one forward on that all-defensive team, and that's Sam Thomas from Arizona. Everybody else is a guard. See, how much sense does that make? Steals, baby. I guess, but I mean, isn't that
0: like you got to kind of like share the wealth a little bit in the position-wise, because that's like how they... Rank everything. Not in the Pac 12, you don't, Shane.
1: Not in the Pac 12. You
0: know what's funny? It's like, I'd be, I'm i okay with that for like All Star, but not for like this, <laughs> like NBA All Star, how they have to have positions. I think that's stupid. But then this, I'm like, I know they should have a couple forwards in there because you're asked to do.
1: Well, it's other an award things. for an actual, like, you're. Yeah. The Pac-12 just seems to mess everything up. (laughs) I don't know how else to put it, but the Pac-12 just seems to screw everything up, that's for sure. And that's why this commitment actually came as a little bit of a surprise. Tanner Bailey, quarterback from Alabama, all the way from Alabama, deciding to come play in the Pac-12 conference, signing with the University of Oregon. A big get, kind of an unexpected get. People are... Maybe wondering why we're bringing in more quarterbacks, but we'll get into that a little bit more here at the, maybe the end of the conversation as to why the Ducks are doing this. We watched a little bit of his footage. There's not a lot out there available as of right now. Strong kid, six foot one, looks like he's got a good arm, mm-hmm. wasn't doing a lot with his upper body to really sling it around an interesting move to say the least here for the Ducks well
0: especially the the timing of it i mean w- inside a dead period and like to say that he he never had an official visit so he did vi- vi- visit Oregon but he had to fly here on his own dime
1: his own dime his own. His own.
0: His own. His own. Maybe. His own dad. <laughs> but anyway, Sam came to Eugene from Alabama and said he was like, really like the town. Said it surprised him how much it was similar to Alabama. I'm guessing not super like culturally, but more in the uh, the g- geography side of things. And I think this does speak volumes to what this coaching staff is doing as re- in the rec- regards to recruiting. Um, kind of opening up a little bit of a pipeline to Alabama with uh, Mario Cristobal having Alabama coaching ties. And this is the second quarterback that will be on the roster from the state of Alabama paired well, with Robbie Ashford.
1: And, and Tanner mentioned in one of the videos, and he also talks about this in one of the a couple of the articles that we were reading, that the Ducks didn't recruit him a lot early on. Mm -hmm. Like, he wasn't mentioned in some of those bigger schools. And then this August, it sounds like they really turned up the heat on him. Jim Moorhead making calls, you know, during the week. Uh, Tanner's quoted as saying, nobody recruited me the way they did later on in the process. uh, Mario Cristobal was getting involved there. So it sounds like Moorhead was maybe the big impetus here for the recruitment process. But nonetheless, it's exciting to get another quality prospect into that quarterback room, even if Oregon even if we don't see him in a prominent role on this Oregon Duck team someday. Yeah.
0: And I think with the way that the last couple of years go, I'm sure that they're looking at the quarterback room as is a more is more kind of thing. I mean, like Justin Herbert wasn't big time recruit coming in. Tyler Shook was a big time recruit coming yep. in. Look how those two careers panned so out. So you're going to
1: make me talk about PD Sunshine again in this culture <laughs> of competition, Shane. Culture <laughs> of competition. Absolutely. It can only help, Ty Thompson and his training, knowing that another four-star kid just got signed from Alabama. What they say he's like a couple—I don't know those blocks, but a stone's throw from uh, what Brian Denny Stadium.
0: Yeah, Brian Denny yeah, yeah. Stadium
1: down there in Alabama. So to get a guy right out of their backyard is definitely saying something.
0: And to kind of get like the—I don't want to call it like the low-hanging fruit, but the the. Players that Alabama is considering but not going after hard. Yeah. So, I mean, some of these, it is a big ego thing. I mean, you got to kind of make sure that you got, you're you're putting yourself in a situation where you feel like the school is equally as all in as you have to be.
1: We know from playing NCAA football, Shane, you have to disperse your recruiting points appropriately and make sure you time those coaching calls at the right time. Because those true. those players will get salty real quick and they'll mm-hmm. turn on you and they'll go to another university. So you got to make sure you're giving them those ego strokes as much as
0: possible. Absolutely, that's actually probably like about half the game in the recruiting. Well, and
1: Oregon just does so many cool things. I mean, in the past, they've done the comic books. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they put together an awesome highlight package for him to play. I mean, it's I'm not sure what he was able to see in regards to facilities and things of that nature. But from what
0: I heard, basically nothing. The the whole campus is pretty locked down right now. And they're trying to make sure that we don't have any more outbreaks in COVID that would derail in-person schooling with uh, also trying to get fans back in stadiums, I'm sure.
1: Well, and also the success that these spring programs now are having, which we're going to give you a lot more information on right after this.
2: Tough. That was district five. Now we're the ducks. Yeah. And the ducks are undefeated. Yeah! Quack, 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 It's been a long time, I shouldn't have left you. Without a strong rhyme and step to. think of how many weak shows you slept through. Time's up, I'm sorry I kept you thinking of this, you keep repeating your miss. the vibe from the microphone solo with, so you sit by the radio and on the dial soon, as you hear it, pump up the volume, with yeah, the speaker to your head.
1: When was the last time you were in Vegas?
0: When I was 21. Oh man, I love Vegas. Yeah, I had... I had a, so much fun, I actually never want to go back, because I know that my next experience will never top my first one. You
1: set the bar so high. Yeah, oh, it was yeah. stupid.
0: The the people that had the room before us was Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes. It was this, like, baller suite. It was at the top floor of the Bellagio. You had to take a separate elevator to get to the floor.
1: Did you find some,
0: like, Scientology stuff in the suite? No. <laughs> no, but they, they made sure to tell us that, like, several times oh, before I bet. we, yeah. Uh,
1: Oh, Tom Creams was here before mm-hmm. it you. It had a hot there. tub,
0: like, and everything. It was, it was cool. So yeah. That's what
1: I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's the way to do Vegas. Yeah, but you're gonna go. You, you got to do it right. Yeah.
0: So now, if I went and I stayed like somewhere like off the strip or something, I'd be like, this is depressing.
1: Well, that's. I mean, I've done both. Like, I've gone like pretty big, and I've stayed off the strip. But it's definitely more. It depends on how long you're gonna be there, why you're there, like your intentions. I guess that's true. Yeah. So if it's a business trip, like, hopefully. The Ducks are treating this trip to Vegas as a business trip, Shane, because this is not an easy Pac-12 tournament. This bracket does not set up as an easy path for the Ducks.
0: Yeah, I actually think that had Oregon been in the two seed, you have a little bit of an easier go, especially with just the matchups you're going to get in the second round. So USC had the two seed. They played the winner of Utah-Washington.
1: imagine Utah's 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 gonna win that game game, yeah Washington State and then Arizona play on the other side there for the Ducks play that Mm -hmm. winner you actually filled out a complete bracket who do you have winning that
0: game uh that game I have Arizona State winning that one I got Utah and then Cal beating Stanford is my big upset in the first round
1: go Cal Bears yeah
0: I think if uh Matt Barkley or Matt Bradley plays I think he can just have a take over the game kind of thing and I figure out of those three games, there's going to probably be one upset. Maybe not. You
1: would have to imagine there's, yeah, you would think there's going to be one upset in a, in a premier score like that allows, or it raises the chances for an upset because you're going to just get hot and take over again.
0: Mm, I kind of thought about having Washington State over Arizona State, but I feel like this is Remy Martin's like last hurrah. I think he really wants to get the team up and in.
1: They're my sleeper pick to win the whole thing because if they win it, then they get into the tournament.
0: You could be on some serious money there. at the Arizona State
1: Forty 40-1. To win the Pac 12 tournament. Okay, we need to talk after the end of this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I, they're my pick because this team's completely underachieved all season. They're finally getting healthy ish. Not completely healthy, but healthy ish. And like you said, Remy Martin's a special player. Mm-hmm. He's another kid that I've liked for his. He's, he's another one of these Pac 12 guys that I've kind of secretly rooted for, even though I'm not really rooting for them, even though I'm kind of rooting for them. I am too. And like, I don't have
0: this by the same reasons as you, but his name is just the coolest thing in the it's world. It's a great
1: name, and I just have such. He took over that game that I watched when he was in high school playing for C.R. Keenan. I, I, this should be the drinking game. How many times do I mention the Les Schwab Invitational? <laughs> Will he say it yeah, this exactly. episode? Yeah, exactly. Every single podcast I seem to mention it. But yeah, he took that game over and there were players on the court like Marvin Bagley and then Michael Porter Jr.
0: Mm, yep, yep, yep.
1: And Remy Martin was the best player on the floor. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, he dominated that game and then they ended up losing late anyway. So, I mean, I guess you could say Michael Porter Jr. kind of took over. But...
0: And Marvin Bagley is regarded as one of the better high school players Ever.
1: Yeah, he needs to be treated for Jen John Collins. He needs to go to the Hawks. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that Arizona State team does. Tell me what you've got for that next round. Give me your wins and losses, Shane.
0: Uh, so the next round, so we got I got uh, Oregon beating Arizona State. There, all right, all right. All right. Uh, I got USC beating Utah. Colorado beating Cal and then we have the weird hybrid first round second round game which
1: we'll have a lot more on
0: later Mm -hmm. in the pod where it's uh number four UCLA is playing number five Oregon State in the quote-unquote second round although it's their first game of the tournament
1: I don't say this very often very rarely will I ever put it on a podcast but go Beavers
0: I actually I got Oregon State winning that hey. game. I got Oregon State pulling off the upset in the the second round. That is the only upset only upset I have there. Okay, and then from there I have Colorado beating Oregon State and USC beating Oregon in the final four there.
1: Boy, what a lopsided I mean side of the bracket there. I mean, I guess if UCLA gets in there, then you kind of imagine that's like the top four teams really. But that's interesting. I mean,
0: Colorado actually has a pretty easy run of it. I mean, they yeah. play the winner of Cal Stanford, and then you play. Uh, the winner of UCLA, Oregon State. I mean, UCLA wins, I guess that would be like a pretty premier matchup for the the tournament.
1: And McKinley Wright's another one of those players that could just take over the game, not only offensively, but with his defensive intensity Mm -hmm. also to really prove a point. Because we kind of skipped over this. The Ducks aren't ranked. Right.
2: Yeah, Both USC
1: and Colorado are ranked. Oh, yeah. And the Ducks are still receiving votes. Do you remember being a kid? I mean, maybe this was just me. But, like, Oregon football, I got so excited to see the Ducks just getting votes to be in the top 25 when I was a kid. And now we're, like, spoiled and we think that they should be ranked in the top 10 every single year. Be grateful. Be grateful, Duck fans.
0: Yeah, it was cool to see Colorado get that huge jump in the rankings, though. Uh, And then I do have Colorado winning the whole thing then beating USC in the championship game. Odds wise for this, uh, Oregon is the favorite at plus one seventy, and USC uh, plus two thirty right behind them. For you degenerates out there. <laughs> uh, then we have Colorado at three to one, UCLA at five and a half to one, Stanford is fifteen, Oregon State is twenty to one, Utah thirty, Arizona State forty. Wow,
1: ASU is forty to
0: one. Yeah, Washington State is a hundred to one, and Cal and Washington, I'm sorry fans, they are three hundred to one that. It's worth put a dollar on.
1: Yeah, for the I mean, maybe Cal. Yeah. Yeah, not not bad, not bad, not bad.
0: Yeah, so I had I mean, my two if I was going to bet on this, which I probably will. I have Colorado no. and UCLA, I'm probably going to throw a few bucks on each there. I just okay. like those payouts, especially Colorado at 3 to 1. They're probably the hottest team in the conference right now and I feel like that's not being like as reflected in the odds to win the NCAA title, Oregon is coming in at 55 to one. Stanford is 1,000 to one, along with Washington. To give it a little bit of reference, there the two favorites to win the NCAA title are Gonzaga at two to one and Baylor at nearly four to one. Hmm. Oregon also to make the Final Four. This was according to at Moses the Messiah on Twitter. I didn't see these odds anywhere, uh, but to make the Final Four was 14 to one.
1: I like that bet actually. Mm -hmm. I mean it's it's definitely your underdog, but I mean worth ten bucks or something like that. Yeah, I mean that's just
0: winning an elite eight game elite eight game. And I mean it is a little funky though to have to make the final four is fourteen to one, but to win the whole thing is fifty five to one. Those don't seem to add up. Well, because they imagine you're going to run into one of those
1: Gonzaga and Baylors in the Final Four eventually.
0: Or 16-seed Kentucky. Because that's what I'm really looking for is... That'd be interesting. Duke, North Carolina, Michigan State, Kentucky, betting all of them to win the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because they they should have... Is Duke going to
1: get in? I mean, if they do, I'm betting them. I don't think they will they lost again to North Carolina. Pretty convincing. Yeah,
0: that landed them at 500. Yeah, get out of here, Coach K.
1: Get out of here, Coach K. Speaking of coaches, Shane, we're going to jump into our new favorite segment, Justin Reads Tweets to Shane. Lots and lots of fun here. Please, if you find anything out there on the old Twitterverse, send it to at the flock pod so we can tag you and then read the tweet. Mm -hmm. So we really appreciate it because these segments are really fun. So this week's first tweet comes from a Marcus Walters, UCLA head coach Mick Cronin, on the Pac-12 tournament. And I quote, I don't understand why we have to play a five-seed first round. We're a four-seed. We should be playing an eight-seed. We're fourth best. We should be playing fourth worst. End quote. <laughs> Well, so he does have a
0: bit of a point. I mean, with Arizona being out of the tournament, which I think is a bit ridiculous. I understand that Arizona is out of the national championship tournament, but what's the point of taking him out of this?
1: All postseason play. And this was a self-imposed ban because they were hoping to avoid getting worse implications later on down the road, and they just got which slapped across happening. the face, yeah. yeah, which we everybody knew was happening.
0: Yeah, and so it's just it's hilarious because I don't know if he just doesn't understand how the first round buy works, but I mean he's still kinda getting
1: one and He I mean, is still kinda new to the Pac twelve
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's not new to this. He's like, What wombat- is this weird
1: conference? <laughs> <laughs> But it's like,
0: at the same time, like, dude, what are you complaining about? You're playing the fucking Beavers. Like, you should be able to handle. Hey, them. you
1: put some respect on the Oregon State Beavers but name. As a
0: whole, you are the UCLA Bruins. Like, oh, Kareem no. Abdul fucking Jabbar.
1: Isn't and, like, that beautiful? Is it, isn't it beautiful the, the glorious way that the, the. UCLA wasn't even mentioned as a Blue Blood? I watched on one of these games early on when they mentioned how the Blue Bloods were all struggling and they mm-hmm. didn't mention UCLA at all.
0: Yeah, they've kind of
1: fallen out of favor with the. Uh, we know Titus and Tate love them.
0: Yeah, the uh, I don't know the basketball Illuminati. National media. Now I did have a solution to Mick Cronin's problem. Oh, please, the floor is yours, sir. Uh, Oregon, being the one seed, should have just bowed out of the tournament.
1: (laughs) This leads into how much you hate the tournament. (laughs) This fixes everything. (laughs)
0: So now USC plays the winner of Washington State, Arizona State. You basically just jump it all up. This is a uh, now a. Ten-team tournament, and as far as like the national stance is already kind of coming in, they already you know are so hesitant to give Chris Duarte a trophy because I believe they're fearful of the blowback of you know Oregon just reaping all the benefits of the COVID
1: season. It's true. So let's just
0: take Oregon out of the equation. It's just no more wins, no more losses. Let them practice. Boom. Yeah. Problem solved.
1: Yeah. Prepare for the tournament. I like it. I like it. It's all about keeping everybody safe. On that topic, let's jump to our next tweet, Shane, from Mario Cristobal. Big fan. Ever heard of him? <laughs> Congratulations to all of the Oregon high school football programs that successfully started their season this weekend. Wishing all the in-state programs a safe and successful season.
0: It is cool. I mean, it, it would be so weird to be a high school student at this time, especially as an athlete and kind of have feeling like you get this this year of, especially if you don't, if you know you're not going to go on to play college, like high school sports are even more special. That's basically the end of you ever playing organized sports and it not being like, Kind of funny or sad?
1: Well, this was the conversation we were having about Oregon softball last year, right Mm -hmm. around this time, right? Like how how much it is a bummer that these young women are now losing this opportunity to really, for a lot of them, probably compete for the last time at a really high level with this kind of a team. So it's a similar story. I know a lot of parents are very frustrated Right now, with the lack of visibility, they're getting to some of these games. I know a lot of Oregon high schools are doing the best they can to to do streams, but just due to certain COVID regulations, there's not a lot of in-person viewing allowed. I know they're still only doing outdoor sports. Mm -hmm. Doesn't sound like basketball, volleyball, these other sports, wrestling, doesn't sound like they're even going to get a season. So it is unfortunate. I say let them play outside. That'd be cool. Outside basketball, just blacktop, call yeah. your own fouls. Even go three on three, at least to give them some kind of a season. Yeah, you know what I mean. I just you got to get creative during these weird times, and it is unfortunate that these are the young, the young people that are being affected. You hope it doesn't have you know long term effects. I know, just as a teacher, we're seeing some of you know the struggles that students are having, you know, adjusting to online education, and some of the struggles teachers are having. It, it's it's tough. It's a weird, weird element.
0: Even, like, pre-Zoom, like, when I was in college, I took a couple online courses, did pretty poorly in them. When uh, When it's on you to do everything yourself and you can't ask the questions and stuff, that's really tough. So, yeah, I mean, I i feel for the students i i often kind of like to go back and forth about like how i would feel as a student in this time because part of me would be like longest summer break ever <laughs> you know what I mean? like, but then there is a flip side to it that is that is a real bummer and it's especially when you compare it to like softball like they got another year of eligibility absolutely what kid's gonna stay in high school next year Yeah,
1: no one's gonna no one's gonna do that and you wouldn't expect them to it's just unfortunate that they lose the opportunity to put their high school logo on their chest and go mm-hmm. compete for it so we also wish all these athletes the best um Hopefully, I mean, I know high school water polo is not happening this season. Also, can't forget to mention high school water polo. I know I have a listener out there that will get very mad at me. So I'm putting that out there. So it is. It's unfortunate that this is now a lost season. We're kind of waving the white flag, if you will, a little bit here on this whole COVID opportunity. So hopefully we can move forward. Mm -hmm. Frustrating for everybody. Yes. And speaking of white flags, Shane, leads us into our last tweet that I will read you today. This is from The Orange Army, a Twitter favorite out there, at Bucktooth Chains.
0: After back-to-back... So many questions I don't want answered.
1: (laughs) After back-to-back home losses to Oregon State and Washington State, the Ducks are ready to raise the white flag of surrender. Now, for context, this tweet was made on February 5th, so a while ago.
0: Don't you love how tweets don't go away? Yeah, it didn't age very well.
1: (laughs) We just wanted to throw some shade at this Twitter account. Uh, We know that there's a lot, there's a good uh, back and forth going on, which is always fun. Mm. It's always fun between the local fan bases. It's what makes a rivalry fun. But this is preposterous. You do not know Dana Altman. Do you not know who Dana Altman is? I guess you chalk it up to like wishful thinking. Like, yeah. maybe you, you
0: try and put it out in the, the universe there and hope it comes true. But, man, that's that's a tough one to have to live down.
1: I will say this. As an Oregon fan, I love that the Oregon success lives rent-free and so many other Fan bases heads. I mean, we're talking about the Beavers, the Trojans, the Bruins, the Cougars, don't the, forget the Huskies. Cougars. Oh yeah, we gotta throw some shade on they the Cougars. Cheaters! Uh, apparently,
0: apparently, Cougar fans were really upset that we didn't mention them in like the shit fan conversation that we had last <laughs> week. They're like, what are you talking about? Huskies are the worst fan base on Twitter. Like, here, let me just attack you guys for 24 hours. And this
1: is a tweet that I put out there on Wax, but I'm gonna put it out here on the podcast too. If you don't, if you're a fan of a major football program. Your football program cheats. Oh, yeah. On some level, at some point, somewhere, they cheat. This is just the nature of college sports. I mean, it's
0: the I was, way it is. Uh, I like this a, is the way. I have a new roommate right now. We both, we just realized uh, last night that we went to the same high school. Hey-o. And we were kind of like, oh, do you like, we were a bunch of years apart. Like, was this person still there? Blah, 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 blah. We were kind of like going down memory lane. And I was talking about, I won't mention what basketball or what uh, school I went to, Willamette High School. Uh, <laughs> how we would have Wolverines. to have like these... Uh, Team uh, weightlifting sessions before school because it was uh, you're only allowed to meet for so many hours in between, uh, not during season or whatever. So I mean, high schools are bending and getting around the rules. Yeah, and we were horrible. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, like we definitely like needed to cheat a little bit to try and like catch up a little bit. But it's 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 so funny to like think that you're a D one big program with a a shoe contract and you're like we don't break any rules.
1: Well, it's like if you're a fan of college sports, you have to have a little bit of a a distancing kind of from what's going on. I mean, we've talked about this. College sports has a, sometimes I feel like I got to go take a shower after watching a college sports. It's not the most
0: like morally strong area
1: of society. Especially
0: football. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Especially (laughs) football. Let's just, let's just get that out there right now. For real. Okay. So that is our lovely segment. Justin reads tweets to Shane. If you'd like to sponsor that segment, please let us know jump in those DMS slide in those DMS as the kids say Um, our last segment today that we will kind of wrap the podcast up with we are going to take our patented walk around the flock where we cover some of those sports that maybe don't get the shine that they really deserve on your left
0: On your left. Uh Uh-huh. On my left. Got it.
2: Don't say it! Don't you say it! On your left.
1: Come on! You can have a player that deserves some shine, Shane. I don't even know if I can say his name correctly. Do you have this?
0: Kayvon Yovan? Kayvon
1: Yovan. Oh, yeah. National Player of the Week. The guy bouts four homers, 11 RBIs, leading the Ducks to a four-game sweep of the Gauchos. One of the games was 17-2. Wow. An absolute drubbing. That was a Cal... UCSB, so University of California, and they were actually ranked 15th at the time. They've now fallen to 22nd in the country. Um, Ducks have received some votes in some of the polls, in particular the USA Today poll. They received 40 votes, so they're just kind of peeking at the door. They're going to have an opportunity coming up against the number 16-ranked Oregon State Beavers, playing this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, available on the Oregon Sports Network.
0: And the Oregon State Beavers, who really ran the Pac-12 for a long time, and now have kind of fallen back a little bit, taken a we couple bit. steps back. We but bit. they're still, I'd say, the the prominent team. They do usually get a lot of the in-state uh, big-time recruits. Kayvon Jovan was actually from Portland, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's even spent some time, he wasn't a major big-time recruit, and... He spent a lot more time pitching early in his career than he has now, and he's really thrived on the offensive side. I think he's still listed in the pitching staff, but I don't know if he gets as much run. I haven't been able to watch uh, as many games this year. This team's
1: really been winning with the bat, so it's going to be exciting. Definitely go check them out on Oregon Sports Network and give them some love. Moving on. Softball, 13-1. and What a season. Ranked number five in the USA Today <laughs>
2: See the fifth. Five. One, two, three,
1: four, five. Five Pac-12 teams ranked in the top 11. They're only lost this season, coming to then-ranked number one UCLA. They finish a 4-0 weekend versus Portland State and Boise State. This weekend, coming up, Friday begins the series against Nevada and a few other teams also. The Wolfpack. Got Wolfpack. Pack. Um, going to be available online, it sounds like, as a stream. But you're definitely going to want to go check this game out. They play, um, it looks like, Friday at 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock. Doubleheader there against the Wolfpack. <laughs> Make sure you check out one of the most exciting players in college softball, Haley Cruz, currently leading the Ducks in runs, hits, doubles, stolen bases, hit-by-pitch, and sacrifice bunts. To
0: lead the team in
1: hit-by-pitch, bummer gotta be leading the team in tiktoks also (laughs) yeah yeah
0: it seems like she well Haley cruz as the captain of this uh oregon softball team has really like held on to that like energy from the end of last year yes they were the team that was probably the most outspoken about their season coming to an end abruptly and for fair reason with softball not really having an avenue to go to outside of the olympics which we probably will see Haley cruz in at some point but I mean, all, all other sports, it's like you, you do have more opportunity to continue your playing career. Softball is really giving the, the shit end of the stick on that one. But, I mean, it's good to see them that really pick up where they left off and really, like, rechanneling that, uh, I don't want to say it anger, but that, like, the energy and really bringing it into this season. I'm a big fan of just the way they celebrate, the smiles on their faces after, you know, like... The multiple base hits and stuff. They're they a fun team to watch.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Celebrating
0: with the O and second bay and multiple base yeah,
1: hits. Definitely. Definitely go check them out. And that's a team that we're really excited to be able to go watch again in person. Um, the Jane is a really fun environment. Mm-hmm. We're definitely looking forward to being able to return there. Moving on. A sport that we don't talk very much about here on the Flock Pod. but We're going to talk about golf today. Men's golf competing in the Bandon, oh man, oh goodness gracious, Bandon Dudes Championship over at Bandon Trails. Had to stall a little bit for time there. Ducks currently, as of recording here, um, well actually we don't have the current results from this afternoon.
0: Trying to look it up. Yeah, but what I'm seeing
1: right now on the Go Ducks website uh, from earlier on today, talking about taking into consideration um, yesterday's results, the Ducks were third Um, overall. uh, Individually, Nate Stember was tied for second at five under par. And Craig Ronnie tied for 8 at 2 under par. So some Ducks making some noise. They are in third position, a distant third there as of the recording. Yeah, as
0: don't see it here now, it's uh, the live standings are taking them into a little But Last we saw right before we started recording, they were behind by 6... Sixteen strokes. Yeah. So third
1: place, but a distant third place. Yeah. San Francisco was running
0: away with it at sixteen under. Second place was even. Who would have guessed? Strong, strong golf. don't know, So yeah, there were nineteen strokes behind. It was yeah, they're were plus three. Yeah, and Bannon. I mean, Bannon is the, the the toughest course in Oregon. It's a PGA course. It's a country club. It's it's beautiful. If you've ever had a chance to go out there and just look at it, uh, it's it's amazing. You have cliffs going to the ocean and all that. It's definitely probably. One of the uh, diamonds in the rough in the coastal towns uh, in down there in Coos Bay.
1: Could agree with that. Yeah, I can agree with that. So that's all we have for our Walker on the Flock. Soccer's doing some big things also. Acro Tumbling took down the number one team in the country. Uh, make sure to go check out these other sports. Give them some love. Shane, before I let you go, we haven't talked about this, and I'm totally, I want your thoughts on the All-Star game. Because I I have some thoughts on how we might be able to fix some things in the All-Star
0: game. The NBA All-Star game? Yes. Uh, Did you watch yeah. it? I I kind of. Yeah, you kind I was of just at,
1: watched the like whip mute or whatever. I was at
0: work and we had it on. We even had the volume on, but it was a, uh, Oregon is now, or Lane County has in, indoor dining and uh, people are taking advantage of it. It's uh <laughs> people are making up for lost time. So I was, I was pretty busy, but I, um, I, I like it kind of as a whole. Like I thought that Dame not winning MVP was a little like, kind of fucked up, honestly.
1: Giannis going perfect and him having the MPV. He only shot once in the fourth. When the game actually mattered and they were actually
0: playing defense, he, like, decided to bow out because he's like, oh, I didn't know I was 100% in the field. Yeah, bullshit. They have stats all over the stadium. He did
1: bank a three as one of those, so you got to give him a little bit. And for the record, I agree with you. I just feel like I have to be a little anti-Dame sometimes because I'm usually so positive. But yeah, for him to literally have game time in the All-Star game, and for them not, yeah, it was beautiful. Game. Didn't even look like it was It was effortless. Uh-huh. He wasn't even trying to, you know, normal motion, stroke.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I and I kind of liked the way that it was formatted this year. I was a little bummed out on Saturday with there being like already a few days with no pro basketball, and then I was like, all right, it's All-Star Saturday. Oh, and I would keep like reminding myself there was no dunk contest. I kind of liked how they did it with the dunk contest in the middle of the game. It, it definitely made the All-Star game a, what? almost six hour event. That's
1: what uh, I think it was Trey, Trevon Edwards was talking about that on one of the athletic podcasts that it was, I had to watch like seven hours of bad basketball, mm-hmm. like a bad footage. Cause this is my job. So here's, here's my fix. I think the dunk contest does need a fix. Yeah. Well, and here's scoring. Here's, here's my, here's my, here's my idea. We kind of make it like the great British bake off shame. And okay. We have, we have three different rounds.
0: My wife is already excited. Yeah, about right. This. I've so already like, got, I've already got the ladies interested. <laughs> I've
1: already got the ladies interested. So one of the, if I think the first round, you have an NBA legend come out, and they pick a dunk that everybody has to copy. Uh I've just, see. This is this. I've, so this yeah. is the first round. This is the first round, and the the competitors don't know. About the dunk ahead of time, because that's like the technical challenge or whatever, right? From Great British Bake Off. Mm-hmm. So then they're scored on that. And now I'm going to change the scoring from 1 to 10 to 1 to 100.
0: Yeah, that's... that's you, that You should do be done that already. right there, boom. You yep. almost fix the whole thing. Because, okay. like, Cassius Stanley's first dunk was so technically difficult, mm-hmm. but not, like, visually. And the same thing with Anthony, Anthony Simons, like, going up and taking the ball from above the block. Like, that's technically really hard. It's, like, cool for them to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Us as viewers, not that cool.
1: One, some of these dunks need to be seen in slow-mo, which brings me to round two. NBA Top Shot's becoming pretty popular. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we combine NBA Top Shot with the slam dunk competition, and each dunker is given a moment that they're going to duplicate in the dunk contest. So you have your first round, which is, like, your technical challenge, right? Second round is something that you get to prepare for, but it's still not your own creativity. So someone has to redo the, the Vince Carter dunk. You know, somebody has to redo the honey dip. But they get to practice it. And then the NBA can do this whole NBA top shot marketing thing where they slow the moments down. They put them next to each other. Really, really cool second round.
0: How about even this to elaborate on that? Second round winner is based on how much each highlight sells for.
1: Sells for, but then that, see that got to my next point because those top shot moments then will go up in pricing, right? Uh-huh. But they should be judged on that second round by how much they're able to mimic the moment. Okay, like frame by frame, frame by frame, like mimicking the moment, right? So then now you're now you're taking the dunk and breaking it down into technical, like really getting the fine. Because one of the big arguments against it is that oh, all these dunks have been done, mm-hmm. which brings me to my next point, round three, the showstopper round, Shane. Where you bring the craziest idea? This is the Blake Griffin jumping over a car. This is John Collins trying to jump over a stupid uh, balsa wood plane that he brought out that one year. You know, this is this is the craziest, most insane idea for a dunk that you can think of. Because we're gonna have, you know, maybe we start with six contestants, and then we go to four contestants, and then we go to two contestants. So now, I mean, this is the championship round. You better bring your best up. So Shane, that's how I fix the dunk contest. What do you think?
0: I love it. I love all of it. I thought that this year they did a couple things a little bit differently that I liked. Having the judges be people who have actually dunked a basketball was pretty what cool. What do you
1: know? What yeah. a concept! I thought that was awesome. I was yes. like, yeah, Josh
0: Smith instead of like
1: not Dwayne Wade, Floyd Mayweather or Dude, whatever. Josh Smith was nasty back in the oh, day.
0: One of my all-time favorite players. If, you, my... if you could see my MySpace page, it's <laughs> riddled with Josh Smith things. One
1: of the all-time really really good bad team guys. Yeah. Like, good stats, bad team. <laughs>
0: and probably would have made a good team worse.
1: Yeah. So, I agree with that. But still that.
0: really fun to watch. Those Atlanta Hawks teams with him and Joe Johnson, E.C. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: Law, uh, Marvin
0: Williams. Okay.
1: So I want to uh, end the podcast today by basically shitting on Stephen Curry, if I may. Okay. <laughs> I was the one thing about All
0: Star Weekend that I was really bummed out about was the stupid Oregon Lottery betting app, which I hope is gone forever. Wouldn't let us bet on any of the
1: oh the pro any of the, the comp- competitions. Yeah. So that leads into my point. Mike Conley is a first-time All Star, which is crazy. He's never been to the All Star game. He's actually in the last round of the three-point competition, and you know what Steph Curry does. He doesn't just beat him, Shane. Beat him by one. Slow rolls him.
0: Yeah, that was like the one thing I got to like watch. Like misses the whole
1: first rack. <laughs> and then gets to the point and then like poses on the last one, yells. How many of those competition trophies do you have, Stephen Curry? How many all-star games have you been to, Stephen Curry? You can't let Mike Conley have this one moment. To be fair, greedy, greedy the best shooter of
0: all time. If you lose to anybody, it's a little embarrassing. But that's why I was so bummed. I was like, I would have bet... Even if Steph was like, I think uh, on DraftKings he was 2-1, to one. he could have been minus 600. That just out. means I would have went and emptied my bank account <laughs> and put it all on him. So I'm like, yeah, I'll bet on Steph Curry. That the greatest would have been glorious
1: ever. then if Mike Conley would have won had you put a paycheck on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I just, the I, opportunity, I mean, don't get me wrong, love Steph Curry, he's fun to watch. He is the definition of like a hogo Bonito kind of player in the NBA. a strong word. Well, as, a, as much as I can as a Blazers fan, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can appreciate his greatness. There's other players in the NBA that I can't appreciate their greatness on the basketball if floor. If he
0: stopped chewing on his mouth guard, I'd like him a lot more. It drives me But it's a shtick, right?
1: It's something. a shtick. It makes my skin crawl. Everybody needs a stick. Shtick. 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 Shtick is just kind of fun to say also. <laughs> so I think we've reached the end of the podcast <laughs> where that, where here. Where did come from? Um, <laughs> definitely <laughs> go check us out at the FlockPod on all those major social media platforms. Give us a rating. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. One through five. Leave a comment. Leave a review five. if you could. Um, give us a share. Um, the best way to get the word out about podcasts nowadays is actually word of mouth. You wouldn't think that it is social media. So I know that you're not meeting around the water cooler per se at your local office. But, you know, hey, you know, we, we dropped some things on you today. Maybe, maybe you maybe a share a few of those things with your friends and we get a couple more listeners out of it. We definitely appreciate it. If you are interested in supporting the podcast in any way, please jump in those DMs. At the Flock Pod. I myself am at Coach Justin D. Shane, one I'm more time. At
0: bartender Shane Six on the Twitter yeah. and at Walker Flock Shane Six on the Instagram.
1: We appreciate you. you. We love you. We, love we you. out. Peace. Do you
2: wanna dance? Huh? Do you wanna dance? Yeah. 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 You know you make me wanna <laughs>